something. I saw his lips move, and bent lower over him. He was still talking in his sleep. Light grey eyes, he murmured, and a droop in the left eyelid. Flaxen hair, with a gold-yellow streak in it. All right, mother, fair white arms, with a down on them. Little lady's hand, with a reddish look under the fingernails. The knife, always the cursed knife. First on one side, then on the other. Aha, you she-devil, where's the knife? At the last word, his voice rose, and he grew restless on a sudden. I saw him shudder on the straw, his withered face became distorted, and he threw up both hands with a quick hysterical gasp. They struck against the bottom of the manger upon which he lay, and the blow wakened him. I had just time to slip through the door and close it, before his eyes were fairly open, and his senses his own again. "'Do you know anything about that man's past life?' I said to the landlord. "'Yes, sir, I know pretty well all about it,' was the answer. "'And an uncommon queer story it is. Most people don't believe it. It's true, though, for all that. Why, just look at him,' continued the landlord, opening the stable door again. "'Poor devil! He's so worn out with his restless nights that he's dropped back into his sleep already.' "'Don't wake him,' I said. "'I'm in no hurry for the gig.' Wait till the other man comes back from his errand, and in the meantime, suppose I have some lunch and a bottle of sherry, and suppose you come and help me to get through it. The heart of mine host, as I had anticipated, warmed to me over his own wine. He soon became communicative on the subject of the man asleep in the stable, and by little and little I drew the whole story out of him. Extravagant and incredible as the offence must appear to everybody— they are related here, just as I heard them, and just as they happened. 2. Some years ago there lived in the suburbs of a large seaport town on the west coast of England, a man in humble circumstances by name Isaac Scatcherd. His means of subsistence were derived from any employment he could get as an ostler, and occasionally, when times went well with him, from temporary engagements in service as stable helper in private houses. Though a faithful, steady, and honest man, he got on badly in his calling. His ill-luck was proverbial among his neighbours. He was always missing good opportunities by no fault of his own, and always living longest in service with amiable people who were not punctual payers of wages. Unlucky Isaac was his nickname in his own neighbourhood, and no one could say that he did not richly deserve it. With far more than one man's fair share of adversity to endure, Isaac had but one consolation to support him, and that was of the dreariest and most negative kind. He had no wife and children to increase his anxieties and add to the bitterness of his various failures in life. It may have been from mere insensibility, or it may have been from generous unwillingness to involve another in his own unlucky destiny, but the fact undoubtedly was— that he had arrived at the middle term of life without marrying, and what is much more remarkable, without once exposing himself from eighteen to eight-and-thirty-eight to the genial imputation of ever having had a sweetheart. When he was out of service, he lived alone with his widowed mother. Mrs. Scatchard was a woman above the average in her lowly station as to capacity and manners, she had seen better days, as the phrase is, but she never referred to them in the presence of curious visitors, and though perfectly polite to everyone who approached her, 
never cultivated in any intimacies among her neighbors. She contrived to provide hardly enough for her simple wants by doing rough work for the tailors, and always managed to keep a decent home for her son to return to whenever his ill luck drove him out helpless into the world. One bleak autumn, when Isaac was getting fast towards forty, and when he was, as usual, out of place through no fault of his own, he set forth from his mother's cottage on a long walk inland to a gentleman's seat where he had heard that a stable helper was required. It wanted then but two days of his birthday, and Mrs. Scatchard, with her usual fondness, made him promise before he started that he would be back in time to keep that anniversary with her in as festive a way as their poor means would allow. It was easy for him to comply with this request, even supposing he slept a night each way on the road. He was to start from home on Monday morning, and whether he got the new place or not, he was to be back for his birthday dinner on